This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to gopowercat.com's powercat questions podcast presented by fridge wholesale liquor and it starts right now now let's go to the wtc gig powered studios here's your host gopowercat.com publisher tim fitzgerald i promised you if you were good on wednesday we would give you a treat on thursday this is your treat Another questions podcast. Maybe it shouldn't come as a surprise because last off week, which was a whopping two weeks ago, we did the same thing. But here we are. Your second questions podcast of the week because there's no pregame podcast. Why, Riley Gates? Uh, I believe there's no game. There's no game. So, Zach Carlson, were they good on Wednesday? Do we have to give them a Thursday podcast? Yeah. Yeah. You were good. You didn't cause any issues. You didn't burn the boards down, so... As far as Congrats. we know, we're, we're recording this in advance. Maybe you did, and we look like idiots. I'm Tim Fitzgerald. I introduced those two guys. This is the second questions podcast of the week. We are sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. You know that. You have that in your memory. So I ask you this question. When you're in town, if you are a person who enjoys an alcoholic drink or might want a Gatorade or a lemon or a bag of ice... Did you know they have great, huge bags of ice at the fridge? Why wouldn't you stop at the fridge? Is it because you don't like me? They got milk. They have milk. If you want to drink a Colorado Bulldog, isn't that made with? Yeah. Yeah. You're asking the wrong person. You betcha. Those are delicious. Oh, they look disgusting. It's Dr. Pepper milk and something. It's delicious. I don't even know what it is. I I forgot, too, but I know it's delicious. Milk, by the way, you may not know this, is the other white meat. They have it at the fridge. No, I don't. Ask for the other white meat when you go to the fridge. And they'll send you Kevin. They'll they'll say, Kevin, we have someone fits in. Can you deal with this person? The first half of this podcast is brought to you by Tanners under new management. Not because they had problems before. It was a very well-run place. He was so good, he got hired by Colbert Hills to run that entire place. That's how good he is. I feel like saying under new management is wrong. They have a new manager, but it's not under promoted management. I don't know. I'm going to treat Charlie like he was brought in from Omaha, even though he was the assistant manager, general manager. But anyhow, Charlie's in charge. Was that Charles in charge? Isn't that an old TV show? <laughs> Anyhow, I think so. <laughs> go in there. It's an off week. If you're in Manhattan or the area and you want to watch college football, go in. I kind of wish I could do that, but Don't. I can't. I've got to, I got to drive on Saturday night, so I got to be good. Go in there on Tanner's on Saturday. Say Fitz sent me. They will add ten percent to your bill. I went in on Sunday. Oh. That's. <laughs> they probably won't add ten percent to your bill. Don't associate yourself with me. I went in on Sunday. Um, and forgot how crazy it is on NFL Sunday because they have every game. It's incredible. (laughs) It is the best place. I'm not lying when I say it's the best place I've ever been. Not even Vegas. I've been to some sports bars. The way it's set up with TVs is remarkable. If you want to watch your team, you will. assuming there's a table, you will be able to see your team. Exactly. Get to the fridge. Get to Tanner's. Get into the PowerCat podcast. Oh, you're there. Good. Let's get rolling. Zach, your question's from Wabash Station. First question of the first half from Wildcat Wabash. Could you make an argument that we've gotten collectively worse, starting with our first Power 5 team, Mississippi State, 
to this past Saturday against Baylor. They've certainly looked worse in every game. But I, I don't know if they've been worse. Uh, yeah, they've looked worse. I think Baylor – okay, let me do this. I think Mississippi State's a pretty good team. I'm beginning to suspect that Riley Gates was wrong the whole time, and Baylor's better than Mississippi State. Yeah, I That Baylor defense is legit. I would like to apologize to Matt Rule and his uh, his friends down there in Waco. Until he apologizes for the hoodie. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I definitely misjudge Baylor. I, I feel like the competition has just gone. I think, I think Oklahoma State was better than Mississippi State. I think Baylor's better than Oklahoma State. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Mississippi State, it's a good win. You went on the road and won in a Power 5 venue. That isn't a really bad program like Rutgers. I mean, you did. You you went into the SEC and won. Heck, fire, K-Staters. Be happy. Last time you went in the SEC, you lost to Vanderbilt, and they turned out to be awful. <laughs> and we thought they looked good that day. So, yeah, exactly. I, it is concerning, but I don't think it's a like a trend or they're going to keep getting worse. Yeah, and worse and worse. I think they'll kind of gather themselves and ramp back up. I think they got hit in the face by Oklahoma State and didn't know how to react. And I think Baylor was just a damn good team, and they they didn't have an answer for him. There was no offensive answer for that Baylor defense. I agree. From MBCAT. Is it time for Kleiman to become more involved in play calling during the game rather than letting Messingham make all of the calls? No. Yeah, this is. Chris Kleiman's a defensive coach. I mean, he could probably call plays, but he's never done it. He's called defensive plays. And I don't, I don't want, even if he was an offensive coach, I don't want him calling offensive plays if he was a defensive coach. You hire a coordinator for a reason, all right? You hire a guy that you trust in the heat of the moment or in the non heat. To be able to call the pl- the right play at the right time. I'm not saying you should have no involvement, but if you took over the play calling, I mean, what, what are you doing here? That's you know? full on David Beatty. Yeah. Uh, you, look, if he's going to get more involved, it needs to be in the middle of the week. Let's really, and he's talked about this. Let's look at what we're calling and what we're doing and what's worked and what hasn't worked. And let's really evaluate our game plan and decide if we want to do something different, how we want to start games. That first drive of the season was very scripted. And that, I hope that first drive against Baylor wasn't scripted. Pass, pass, pass. Because that was a bad script. I think they checked into some things or they saw some things. Bottom line, you've got to establish who you are. If they put 10 guys in the box, running the ball serves a purpose. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, punt. I hate to tell some of you this. That serves a purpose. Run the ball. Don't run the ball, but play action. Throw the ball. You've got – when you build your offense off a running game and play action, if you haven't established the run, your play action's just worthless. They're not going to – there's no reason to honor it. They're not falling for it. It doesn't matter. They're stopping your run. And I don't think Mess has been a bad play caller so far. I think he's made some very questionable decisions, but which offensive coordinator hasn't made questionable calls at times? And I think, yes, he could open up the playbook a little bit more, but I also don't want him running a different play every down of every game. You know, I want them running some familiarity plays that they know that they can do well, that they've practiced multiple times before, that they've done in a game. So yeah, I mean, I look. This is this is not just a dig at. This is a dig at every fan, probably myself included. I do it too. The easiest scapegoat in the world is to blame the offensive coordinator. Why did Dana Demmel get all that hate? Why did Andre Coleman get all that hate last year? Why did I yell, you know, at, at the Cowboys' offensive coordinator every game for the 16 game season? It's an easy thing to do because you just don't accept the fact that sometimes you're just not better. It just, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. From KNED, was the goal for too many players to prove Snyder was wrong and the Mississippi State game achieved their goal? Ooh. My initial, Mike, I read the question, I said no, and I moved on. Then I was like, you know what? I Ooh. think this is a good question. KNED, proving why he's a wise soul. There could be a level of that. There really could be. And I'm not a, I'm, 
I can see how that's possible. Let's put it that way. But I don't think that they would have gotten complacent about, quote unquote, proving Snyder wrong just because they, you know, I feel like if that were the case, if that is the case, it would have continued to carry on you know hey not only are we going to go beat mississippi state uh, let's see i i can see it look we got our butts kicked to manhattan last year by mississippi state and we just won in starkville we have arrived we have turned the boat around we're in good shape we're a good team oh no we're not boom it just collapsed that's what it feels like to me i don't think it's crazy to think that there's a little bit of Let's go show people that Coach Snyder wasn't utilizing us all that well. Well, I know that's got to be the case with some of these guys. Yeah. From Yo Mama, is this coaching staff struggling with having to play a competitive schedule week in and week out instead of two to three games during during the season at North Dakota State? It was one of my concerns, honestly. And I said it from the start. You don't just get to get up for South Dakota State in a playoff game and – whoever else you might have scheduled, you got to be ready to go week in and week out. The Big 12 is the Big 12. I mean, it's everyone, it's big money here. It's even Kansas is trying to win, even though they, they haven't been able to figure out how to do it on a consistent basis. I mean, you just look at the programs that now you're rubbing elbows with, People look at Tech and West Virginia as your equals. Well, just in the last few years, those like Kansas State have been really good programs. There's so much more talent at this level spread across the board than there probably is in the Missouri Valley FCS. I don't know if it's so much preparing for good teams. I think it's maybe they didn't understand how tough it was. I think they thought, Yes, it's going to be difficult. However, we trust our system. We think that we have guys that can fit them. And if we go in there and we execute our system, everything should fall into place. And I don't think they realize every other team does the exact same thing. Yeah. And these are familiar systems. I'm, I'll be really interested to see how he does against West Virginia, Texas Tech, and KU because Gundy and Matt Rule are both established. They've been there, kind of gotten settled in, you know. These guys are also very new. How are they going to handle that? From Wildcat Wabash, can we officially say the honeymoon phase is over for Chris Kleiman? Oh, no, we can get a lot worse than this. Nobody's honeymooning, I don't think. No, yeah, but, yeah, this, this, yeah, that's a good point. The honeymoon might be over, but it could turn into an abusive relationship real fast. Yeah. They could end up three and nine. I'm not saying they will. I think they'll win at Kansas. I think they've got at least two wins left on this schedule. But I, I think some of you, I mean, even I did it. Well, they're 3-0, and and they go home, and they win this and that, and then they go to Oklahoma State, and they win this, and pretty soon they're playing Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. We kind of all fell into that trap. Um, maybe just need to adjust the sight line, get it off the horizon, and get it onto today. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, the honeymoon is absolutely over at this point. But I felt like K-State fans had done, for the most part, a really good job of throwing it all out the window on game one, honestly. I felt like they were like, all right, we've had the win the dang day thing for a while now. Mm -hmm. Let's go actually see it on the field. Now, the first three wins extended it a little bit. But I thought I thought K-State fans had kind of done a pretty good job of moving on. It was not KU and Les Miles. That's for sure. Well, I've I've heard an, a few fans say to me, I'm, "Okay, enough with the slogans. We we can pound that stone. We can win the dang day. We can do all that. We can we can run an advertising campaign into the locker room all we want. Here's fancy new duds. Let's get the substance too. And I, I it's valid. I get it. From Kned. The wide receivers are not great, but is it possible that the quarterback play is just a guy, too? Oh, I put it in the questions. Good Damn. job. Good job. Yeah, it is possible. It is. But I, I've seen enough from Skyler to know this can be a pretty good quarterback when he's confident. We've seen him rally the team. We've seen him lead comeback victories at Tech and places like that. I mean, he can do this. He's got to get out of his own way. I don't know if he's not spending enough time 
studying progressions of receivers or he hasn't worked out a good enough relationship with receivers to know, okay, I'm in trouble. You guys need to flow this way because that really seems to be part of the problem too. He's always fleeing to his right, and when he does that, nobody kind of follows him across there. He has a lot of times where there's just simply no receivers. There's no one out there. Almost like they don't practice him bailing on the pocket because he's so comfortable in practice that he never bails on the pocket. Right. That's exactly what it looks like. Man, I just came up with that on the spot. That's good. You might want to go give yourself a self-affirmation in the mirror. I might want to just stop talking on this podcast right now. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. Didn't know you'd take me up on it. <laughs> Another podcast debut. This one from KSU CB. Welcome. What's up with the offensive line play? Is it talent, effort, or scheme? I think it's. I think it's talent. I don't think it's scheme because. I well, maybe it's maybe it's Connor Riley's scheme doesn't fit this talent or this group of players yet. But I trust Connor Riley. I trust that they're giving it good effort at times, although there were some plays in there where I, they literally watched James Gilbert get tackled That's crazy. behind the line. Okay, that can't happen. But I just don't think they're that they're that talented of a group of guys. And, you know, I mean, Scott France has been blown back multiple times this year, which is He's having a horrible season. It's disheartening because I kind of thought he was an NFL potentially draft pick, and now he is not at all. I I mean, I think obviously I don't see things in practice. I don't see them the way Connor Riley sees them, but I haven't seen anything out of Evan Curl this year that's made me go, "Wow, that guy's good." And I thought the line clicked better when Revis was in the game early in the season. I agree. And Tyler Mitchell has had some really nice, some really nice points, but he's also had a lot of times where you've kind of gone like, "Good lord, that was awful." So yeah, I, I, I only you, feel comfortable with Holtorf right now. You don't? No, I do. Uh, I I didn't after Saturday. I mean, now granted, he was going against yes. an NFL dude, but yeah. you could just watch him. If you slow down plays and really watch him, you can see them getting to spots late. You can see them just flat getting beat. They gotta, this whole team's just got to do better. And, and I just feel like they're getting away from fundamentals. They're getting beat off the snap. Things that you can correct that go beyond – um, or do, don't go as far as just not being talented enough. I, I feel like uh, if they just need to be more sound to their assignments, it, it just takes one little letdown and everything can fly apart. Well, they've got multiple letdowns on plays. It's just very frustrating to go back and watch film. Real brief here. I'm tossing in my own question, and I don't think it steps on anything else I put in there. Did we create too high of a bar for a lot of these guys? The offensive line paved the way for 300-yard rushing performances in the first two games, so we expected them to do things like that, you know, two mid 200 yards every single game. But at the end of the day, this is a line of guys like Evan Curl, Tyler Mitchell. Not bad, but also not all that good. Well, like standout good is what I, I mean. You know, I I wonder about that, but I was very cautious. I mean, it was the first two games were great, but they were who they were. I mean, those weren't great teams. They they took care of business in a fashion that Bill Snyder teams hadn't the last few years. But I didn't really fully buy into Mississippi State. Now maybe we oversold that team, but I still think that's a pretty decent Mississippi State team. They're not great, but I think it's a decent team. And they. Didn't rack up a ton of yards, but that offensive line was physical and mean. Man, they're not physical and mean lately. They're getting, they're getting their ears boxed. I, I don't understand what's going on. Again, I, I'm stealing lines from myself. I said this on the Insiders. Someone stole their mojo. They went in a time machine, and then went back and stole their mojo. Well, I think the time machine thing's probably not accurate, but yeah. I saw it in Austin Powers, too. It happens. It's possible. You can build a time machine and steal someone's mojo. I know this. It's a fact. <laughs> Is it a documentary? Yeah, about about a, <laughs> a super crime-solving guy with a hairy chest. It's kind of my hero. Okay. And nice teeth. From Exhausted Nihilist, what are your thoughts about the overall defensive performances against the Big 12 so far? 
you can't be good on 95% of the plays and, and horrendous on five. And that's what they're doing. Which is what sucks because they are a good defense. They can be so good. Safety play right now is tragically bad. Yeah. Tragically bad. I love Denzel Goolsby. I He's one of the greatest young men I've ever dealt with in my life. But he's taken some horrendous ang- angles, and Wayne Jones has been an utter disappointment for me. And he's another good kid. I just That's the thing, though, is I feel like both can be a lot better than they have been. They're playing fast without wisdom. It's like you can watch them on film on some of those big plays. I'm running fast to this spot. And there's no reason to be at that spot because the tackle or the ball carrier just went right by you in the spot you probably should have been in. It's it's baffling to watch. I feel like those things going on on defense are very correctable. That they've they've kind of swung it too far the other way. We want to play fast and hard and run to the ball and and they've given up some assignment security. You've got to be take care of your job and coach Snyder would always make sure everyone he would give up the speed and the the great athleticism to put the guy out there that could take care of his job he would be in the right gap but get run over so now we swung too far the other way it all comes down to this everything we're seeing with this football team comes down to this for me whether it's the head coach assistant coaches coordinators players Take care of what you're supposed to take care of. Do your job. Trust your brothers to do their job. It's just all kind of like a house of cards right now. It's coming down. From Purple Powerhouse, on a happier note, how amazing was that punt by Devin Inktel? Wow. I'm not shocked. Excuse me. I'm not shocked. But, damn. (laughs) I wasn't even filming it. I was just standing there watching it, and I'm right at the pylon. I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, right to me. <laughs> Should have been filming it. Uh, don't tell me these things. Hey, <laughs> I, I think we said at the start of the year he's an NFL guy. He's an NFL guy. He, The ball explodes off of his foot in a way I haven't seen in a long time. And now he's beginning to put the ball into better situations in terms of field position. He's an NFL guy. I mean, he did it twice. They got screwed because I think it was Landry stepped out of bounds on the rundown, but... He put two balls on the two-yard line. That's impressive. Um, I hate seeing him play. (laughs) I hate when he's on the field. But he's going to, like I predicted, I think he'll be first-team All-Big 12 punter. You know what it usually means if you got a first-team All-Conference punter? Not a good season. You're not having a good offensive year. Last question of the first half from Adam K 63 Does Matt Rule have the blueprint on building a team from the bottom to the top for a Big 12 team? First, add a hoodie. <laughs> Don't ever pull it up. Just Cut the sleeves it off. There. No, someone tweeted this because, like, I tweeted on Saturday. I was like, I said, reminder that Matt Rule was 1-11 in his first year at Baylor. Chris Kleiman's barely still. You keep hitting that mic, man. I'm, I'm out of position. The whopper threw me off, man. <laughs> I, I was like, Chris Kleiman's barely started the job. Matt Rule is 1 11 in his first year at Baylor. Give it time. Things will be okay because people were ready to jump off the ship after that loss to Baylor. And someone's like, uh, we should not compare ourselves to Baylor. And I was like, they are 5 0, 2 0 in the conference, just beat you. And they're ranked. Why would you not? What's wrong about being compared to Baylor? As a football team, comparing yourself to Baylor is not a bad bar. And Matt Rule is a good coach. That I would wish you would take, take the Jets' job. Baylor's defensive line. Yes. Would you take their safeties? Yes. Would you take their receivers? Yes. Would There's you a take lot. Their quarterback. I just think he's got good stuff around him. I don't think he's that great. I just think he's real solid, makes good decisions. He, unlike Skylar Thompson, knew when to throw the ball away instead of take a sack. So, I don't know. Well, that's it for the first half of this Thursday Questions podcast. We're going to move on to something entirely different in the second half. It's basketball. You had some basketball questions this week. New uniforms were announced. Some questions about the roster. Basketball season's 
almost here. So we're going to answer your questions about hoops in the second half of the second questions podcast of this week, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We're in the WTC Gig Parrot Studios. Any other things I can get in? We're sponsored by Tanners in that half. We'll be sponsored by the High Low in the other half. I'm going to stop now, and you're going to hear some other stuff. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC Gig Powered Studios. Welcome to the second half of the second questions podcast of the week. I think I got that right, but I know this. We're sponsored by The Fridge. You know that. It's at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. And like my free throw, we're also sponsored by the high-low. It goes high and then low. I reached for that one. Yeah, I went, not your best work ever. I went too far on that one. Um, yeah, Riley and I had a mandate, mandate. Mandate, and, mandate. And we had lunch there. I think you flipped the words there, though. You kind of said, like, mandate. I don't even Mandate. Know. Like, I think you did the wrong mandate first. You did the one that's one word for a mandated mandate. Yeah, that's what you should say. Okay, that's what we had. It was delicious. We had a beer. We cursed mainly at Fitz, and then Fitz at me. But yeah, he said "golly jeepers" like three times loudly. We got asked to leave. Seth would never ask us to leave. No, I did walk behind the bar one time. He wanted to kick me out, but in my defense, it was crowded and I was drunk. <laughs> and he was a brand new bar and I didn't know how to negotiate when you go in a bar that's never been to and like you're, you walk in and you can't get anywhere it's a little scary what, right you know after you've been in a bar a few times you know the nooks and crannies you can get through well first of all your nooks and crannies are probably a lot smaller than my nooks and crannies because <laughs> Becky can go through a space like paper thin and here i am it's like well my not, my belly alone won't fit through that space let alone my belly attached to the rest of me so anyhow uh you should never walk behind the bar to bar it's bad form the rim shot i tried to do on the table there wasn't very good it sounded like something fell from the ceiling but that's what, that's what it was supposed to be this is the power cap podcast sponsored by the fridge the second half sponsored by the hilo we're doing all basketball hoops 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 Oh, I'm Fitz, Riley, and Zach. Reed. First question of the second half from Purple Powerhouse. Is Sneed ready to make this his team, or is he going to be one of those guys who's really uncomfortable in a leadership position? I, You know, I think Xavier is matured. I think probably going to the NBA, uh, not combine, like, like all the camps or whatever, mm-hmm. training for teams, I probably matured him. Um, he seems intellectually mature. I just don't know, without seeing him in a few games, I just don't know where he's at in terms of his game because there were a lot of times where you were like, all right, they got to rely on Xavier here because, you know, Barry picked up two fouls and Dean is once again being old Dean, so Xavier needs to step up. And then at times he would, and then you'd kind of be like, all right, where's Xavier? Oh, he's 0 for 7 from three-point land because he thinks he's a three-point shooter. Like, I, I just don't know what to feel about Xavier right now. Xavier has... He's come so far. I mean, he really has turned into a player that has an incredible upside. He has an NBA upside. Um, but he still needs to work on things. He's got to improve that three-point shot. He has to improve his defense. He's got to learn how to play above the rim on a consistent basis because he can. Putting the ball on the floor and taking it to the rim in traffic has not been something we've seen him do a lot of. He's mostly been in the open floor. But we're talking about leadership. And I think he can lead. I think he is a good leader. Um, I think he'll embrace it. It's probably been a little bit different since the other guys graduated because they had been the leaders of the team even since their sophomore year in some ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just kind of – it's been their program for three years. So it's a new role for him. He's not alone, though. I think Cardi Jada will be really good. I mean, I think he's a natural leader. But, again, it's hard to be a leader – if you're not playing well or you're not playing consistently, particularly in energy. So he has to make sure every time he steps on the floor, he's he's laying it all out there. 
Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. He needs to talk to Barry, I guess, probably. And yeah. just be, and how do you? How do I become Barry Brown? Because Barry took over in one way or another. He was always going to make sure he was doing his job in terms of shooting the ball, getting the ball, whatever. If he wasn't hitting them, all right, I'll I'll go find my teammates. I'll get them the ball. You know, mm-hmm. how does he go into that? Um, can he do it? on a night in night out basis or is he going to have nights where he starts one of five and then just kind of wants to pass off to somebody else to let them lead that night that's going to be the biggest question i agree from yo mama what should we anticipate out of mccall may ween this year that's a damn good question (laughs) again we just talked about consistency with x max a guy who's got to be consistent but i think he succumbed to being in the shadow of Dean Wade. And when we saw him, when Dean wasn't available, we saw flashes of a really good basketball player for Mac. Mm -hmm. But again, you're a senior man. You're going to have to be consistent. You're going to have to be able to, you know, score on a regular basis and rebound. His hands really trouble me, man. He's just, I hope this has been an off-season thing. Work on your hands. Your hands. Catch a lot of balls. Just do everything you can to improve your hands. I I don't know, man. He's, he's got to become a mean dude. I mean, honestly. He looks the role, but he's not. He's such a nice kid. He's he's a really good dude, um, and, and I think he's very smart. I think he, but he doesn't have that. Look, if he gets the ball down low and he goes up, and it's really hard play, you know, probably a foul that they don't call. He's not going to stick out his elbows and fight for the ball. He's going to kind of try to reach above the crowd and and hopefully he gets it. And that and I think a lot of that is probably just his personality. You can't force somebody into being something they're not into being somebody is, you know, a type of person that they're not, but he's got to get there because he will get pushed around um if he if he's not there and uh, maybe maybe consistency for him is not those games where he went off, you know, KU, what do you have, I think 17 or something like that against KU in the Sprint Center. Maybe that's not the bar we should set. Maybe the bar we should set for Mac is 10 points and 6 rebounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's fair to expect of him. Um, but then he always has those games where he goes off for like 26 or whatever, and, and you're like, where the hell's this been the whole time? So I, he's he's a, been a puzzling guy to, to follow, but I think he could be pretty fun this year. If they can get 10 and 7 out of him, I'll be really happy. That'd be I great. almost got greedy and said 12 and 8. <laughs> 10 and 7, I'll be really happy. From Adam K 63 it feels like we never got consistent production out of Mike McGurl. One game would be really good. The other would be bad. Can he find consistency now? Uh, Mike is... I don't know if Mike's there yet. I don't know if... I don't mean to be hostile. This not, I just don't know what his upside really is. I don't know if there's that, that much more there. Again, the question was about consistency. All of them that are now ascending into greater leadership and playing roles have to be more consistent in their effort, their leadership, their you know body language, everything. What Mike can be, what Mike offers, is blue collar, man. Yep, that's exactly. What be I was that say. dude that gets on the floor, that will defend his butt off. Uh, again, his foot speed may not enable him to cover some of the guys Barry did, but be willing to do that. Go down as a guard and get rebounds. I don't expect Mike to blow up any stat sheets this year. Maybe one or two along the way. I don't think he's that player. I just don't. I, I don't think he'll be that player this year. I don't think he'll be that player when he's a senior. I just. I. I think his game is. I'm going to come in there for 12 to 14 minutes. It'll probably be more this year, obviously. Um, and in fairness to Mike, we haven't seen him with an opportunity to play a whole lot more minutes. And I think we could. I think he might. Is he going to start this year? I, I hope he doesn't. I mean, again, I, I, yeah. I think if you're starting Mike McGurl, he's not a starting player at the Big 12 level unless you've got some questions. Or he makes incredible strides. If he turns into a pure shooter, if he works on his shot so much, because I suspect it might be there. It's really not a consistent shot, but it looks like it has the structure to be a really good shot. If he can consistently knock that down 40% plus from 23 in, he can be a starter. You add that into the, being the play hard guy, 
all of a sudden you're that guy on Baylor that you hate <laughs> because he just knifes you all the time. K-State needs that. They've lacked that. They kind of do it all guy. And by the way, I'm just in here to stroke this three. Bam. Bam. I'm going to hit a lot of them right now. If he becomes that, boy, will he be a valuable commodity. The way I see it is you've got four different starting combinations you could go with, and it's four different players. Look, the locks are going to be Cardi will start. I think Dejuan will start. X will start, and Max will, Mac will start. So there's four. Those are not going to change, in my opinion, unless Dejuan is just a total letdown when it comes to time to play. Mm-hmm. You can either go with Mike in there. You can either uh, go with David Sloan in there. You could put Sean Neal Williams in there, which kind of scares me. <laughs> um, or you could go with a, a second big and, and put Montavious in there. That would so, be my suspicion. So you're going to have you have those four different guys to to take that fifth spot. It's not a lot of experience in there, especially not a lot of starting experience. So it's going to be one of those combinations, in my opinion. I feel like Mike has just as good a chance as any of those other guys. Yeah, maybe you're right. From KSU Titleist, losing what we lost will hurt, but there are still a lot of guys that know the system. Where would you project this team's defense to be at this year? This is my biggest concern. We talk about consistency with this guy, that guy. They had a roster of guys that, for the most part, had played together for at least a full season, if not two or more. And they understood the nuances of Bruce Weber's defense. And it was beautiful to watch. It was so subtle. They're they're moving. They're picking up. They're rotating. They rarely got beat unless you know they'd have some games where they just kind of collapsed. But when they got into the bench, sometimes you would see rotations get missed plays they wouldn't cover up they wouldn't you know just little things would go wrong that's where i'm really concerned about this group there's so many new guys and not just the new guys understanding it but being cohesive even with the older guys that the older guys aren't going to have to be worrying about the new guys so much they forget to do their job that this is a big concern for me, Riley. Well, and the reason that the that defense, I mean, continuity obviously big, but we can't emphasize enough how beneficial it is to have a the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, and b a guy like Dean Wade to protect when McCall gets beat on a backside lob, or um, you know when when McCall has to go out kind of out, out out of the lane and Dean can slide in there and, and you know manage it. I you know I'm just using different examples there. Those two are just so they were so crucial. Um and I trust that guys like Mike and and Cartier and probably Sean, you know, I I trust that these guys know the system. It's tough to go to practice every single day for however many ungodly months basketball season is. Don't get me started on that. It's starting this month, Fitz. It's starting in October. I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. hate it. It's not my fault. But Don't be mad at me. You got you. You know the system, but it's all about doing it. And also, I bet you there were multiple times where Barry made the wrong read on a defensive. You know, oh, he should have jumped this pass instead of gone here. But he was so good at recovering mm-hmm. because he had gone through the ringer before. He knew these guys' tendencies um, that he was playing against and. That's just that's something they're going to have to learn with time. It's not going to be flawless from the start, all right? They're not going to be as good on defense in the first two months, probably, as, as they will be in, in late February and early March. So it's it's one of those things where you have to – it's kind of like with football. You just have to accept that it might not meet your standards right away. Well, and you brought up something else. I was thinking of team defense and how they work as a cohesive unit. They've got to have someone say – I'm Barry. Yeah. I'm the stopper now. I got him. It was Wesley, and then it became Barry, and one of these guys is going to have to own it. Say, give me that matchup. And even if it doesn't fit you ideally, you know, it might be a stretch four type guy and maybe a two guard, you know, I I don't know. It's tough. And there's some good players this year in the Big 12, so. It's going to be fun to watch. From Parker Gates, what is your opinion of the men's and women's basketball jerseys? What would you like them to look like if you don't like them? What a jackass. Oh, he's horrible. His whole family. Wait. I turned on you real fast. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Doesn't seem nice. What do you think of those jerseys? All right. When they came out, I hated them. 
First off, all right, K-State does great work. The, the, the photo department, you know, kind of promoting things. They should have not promoted them by going two inches away from the jersey. I couldn't, I couldn't like it make it. It was just a photo of the jersey. Yeah, I just, you should have just modeled it with somebody like they did with Mike McCoy in football. That's what they should have done. I couldn't understand what was like going me? on. Like me? Have me modeled it? Yeah, sure. That'd be no. cool. I hated them when they came out. I, I don't like how K-State continues to utilize gray as a color when white should be the color, um, even if it's as small as it is on these ones. And for the first time in my life, which it's something I make fun of Fitz and Zach for a lot, but for the first time in my life, font bothered the hell out of me. We are proud font nerds. The number font. The number font's atrocious. <laughs> the number font's actually grown on me a little bit now that I've seen the jerseys worn, but it's still not good because it doesn't tie in with the K-State font very That's well. my problem. I think the number font alone is okay. I would like to see what the letters look like with that font. I'm just curious. <laughs> I might have to use uh, go to my good friend Font Squirrel and see if that's an actual font or it's it's actually a you can upload an image. It'll read the font and compare it to other fonts and and find your font. I think the nameplate on the back didn't look too bad. At least you could Is see that the, in you the letters. See, you could see the stitching. Please through tell the me. jersey, and it looked. I don't know, almost. Na- nice and narrow. Please tell me that they're not like they're going to put the last names right. Yeah. It's not okay. I don't think it's going to say. It's not going to say Wildcats. If it says Wildcats, I'm going to lose it because that's what the example had. I, I don't think so. I'd be surprised. Um, my problem is that the K State Serpentine font with that font collide. One is a very contemporary, sleek font, the K State Serpentine, and the other font is an artsy kind of old-fashioned font, the numerals. Yeah. Oh, I actually think that Serpentine is more 80s and older, and the one they used is more modern because they don't because match. of the curves. They don't match. They just don't. The style of the font. I mean, it's not about serifs and sans serifs and other nerdy font talk. It's just the appearance of them kind of collides. And I would rather the players uh, go find old shorts that people wore in the 1970s and wear those, even if they don't match color-wise, than I would like to see them wear these. You are not a fan of the shorts. Oh, my God. They're atrocious. Everything about the shorts are horrible. They look like a Nike template from, like, the early 2000s. There's so much going on. There's too much going on. These stripes are going that way. Those stripes are going that way. They're different colored stripes. They actually look like the shorts that... Nike would sell at a JCPenney or a Kohl's. <laughs> yes. That costs 30 bucks, and you wear them to gym class in high school. Yes. That's what they look like. I mean, I wore mine to school, but yes. So you're saying go back to the 70s, grab some nut huggers. I don't care what you wear. Just don't wear these. <laughs> because in the 70s, that's what we wore. I mean, if a good jump shot and your jock strap get popped out there at the bottom. <laughs> That was that was just my very uh, extreme example because apparently when I said that I wanted to light the shorts on fire, people took that literally. Not people, one person. <laughs> All right, one person took that literally. Riley is not violent towards clothing. Look, I if you gave me a choice, what do you want to wear? Just stay in last year's uniforms. They were clean. They were easy. They had the power cat big and and noticeable. I just, I liked the jerseys they were wearing. Okay, we have a photo of Barry Brown on our wall right here in the WTC Gig Powered Studios. It is a solid purple jersey. It says K-State and Serpentine and the number five in Serpentine. I can't tell if there's piping. There is. Black? The black, the shoulders are black. Oh, I thought you were talking about around the Or maybe it's the Yeah, there's some black trim in there, but you really can't tell. The shorts are solid purple with white power cats on the sides and the Nike swoosh in front. It is clean. I love it. I don't I don't like changing the font for the numeral. And then we've got this picture of Jake over here. And it's, you know, the jersey Jake wore. And, like, that's the most I would want to go on shorts is the little stripe that Jake has coming down the side. You know, at least those stripes are going the same direction. Maybe Barry's abstracts. We just well, they're they're like they've got the triangle yeah, motif. They're okay. like half chunk. I don't know really know how to describe. I'm just it. not into stripes. I'm not into that. I want solid colors. You can put piping, you know, edging around it, but just I'm a simple man. 
I don't like them overall. However, the purple's lighter too. Yes, it is. I can't decide where I stand on that. I'm still chewing on that because I kind of like it. Wait until you see it on ESPN Plus and what color <laughs> does it look like? Well, aren't you I'm optimistic? <laughs> <laughs> That's assuming you can see the game on ESPN Plus. Is the game actually on? Hi guys, welcome to Wyatt Vision. I'm just gonna give them a tip of the cap here, though. They're not the women's uniforms. You're not a fan of those. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry to anyone listening to this that is a fan of women's basketball, is a involved in the women's basketball team. They're going to look horrible. K-State could go 18-0 and 0 in women's basketball this year, and they're still going to have never get my stamp of approval on those jerseys. No. No, I'm with you. Why on earth is the top half a different color? I don't get that. It's probably Nike's women's template across the board. Oh, it's a train wreck. What are they going to do with, like, OU and Texas? What are those going to look like? Uh, Baylor. Baylor, yeah. (sighs) But let's go back to one thing you said. You said you don't like K-State using gray. Do you like them using black? Because black's not a school color. Where do you stand on the black? I don't like them utilizing it as much of a school color, but I like it over gray. Look, I, your school color is your school color. Be proud of it. Purple and white. It's in your damn fight song. Purple's the only color. It is in your damn fight song. Look, uh, if you want to have silver or black as part of your color scheme, go on to your own page. It says what your school colors are. Add in the Panatone and the web colors. Go do it, man. Add in the CMYK, the RGB, all that nerdy stuff. Just make them secondary colors. Just go ahead. I had to prove to someone that Tulane actually has light blue as their color. There was an argument. Tulane grad, no, we're green. And I don't know why I got into this. And I'm like, well, go to your pages, your school's own page. Right here, a secondary color is that light blue. It's part of your color scheme. Also, I think that's cool. Why'd they take the power cat off the... The neck, like where the neck, or the it meet, kind of meets in the middle, right above the words K State. They used to have Power Cat right there, and they don't have it on this one. Make it lighter. Bet you <sighs> those jerseys are like now twenty percent lighter. God, probably like two hundred percent lighter than the ones that they first released that said that they were twenty percent lighter. So if I wore those jerseys, I'd be twenty percent lighter. It doesn't work like that. Does what? Yeah. You just said what? Put it on. You tell us. Nobody wants to see me in a basketball jersey. That man's man boobs are hanging out the side. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. On to the next question. From I Like Pickles Cat, what are your expectations for our basketball commitments for this cycle? I think he means how to translate into college, I would assume. Uh, You know, it's. I think that, that Nigel Pack will be an immediate impact guy. I just, I, I have a gut. This has been one of the best he gets that Weber's ever had. I'm going to go on the record saying that. I think Kazuki could come in off the bench and, you know, knock down a few shots, maybe get the scoring back going if you ever need him like that. I, I don't think he'll necessarily start or anything like that, but I think he could be contribute. I just, I need to hold off on Miguel. I don't, I mean, I feel like I know a lot about him, but, I feel like I don't know enough about how he's going to translate to the tougher competition because he didn't play in EYBL. He played on Under Armour, and, I mean, there's no secret that that's a lower level of competition. So um, I just want to see kind of how he translates a little bit better. Um, it's going to be good. I, these are the guys that they need, I think. And then, uh, obviously, you're going to have these younger guys, the current freshmen this year, with a year of experience under their belt. They're building a good core right now if, if Weber wants to – Right off into the sunset Man, I'm, pretty I'm soon. Tell what, this is the most, um, even with that class that just graduated, they didn't follow up that class. I mean, they added Xavier, but they didn't add another wave of talent. They seem to be putting back-to-back recruiting classes together here really for the first time. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's any secret that I haven't been fully sold on this program because it just seemed to be patchworked to get through. This is beginning to feel like they're really putting together a solid core 
for a long run. I think this season, I'm not very optimistic about this season. I'm really trying to temper my expectations here. Uh, but that doesn't mean I won't see these freshmen and go, man, they're going to be good. It's, now you back them up with another freshman class. And if you really get after it and sneak in a few more guys, they can really build something, which would be really cool. To, to be able to say that they've won two Big 12 Conference championships and not really ever had a solid foundation that can weather the long term. Maybe the, maybe I'm totally wrong about that. Maybe this is a, a top three, top four team in the Big 12, and I'm just totally missing it. I don't see it. I would be missing it, too. <laughs> I, I don't see that they're an NCAA tournament team right now. Maybe I'm wrong. But now, if these recruiting classes are as good as they seem to be, man, they it's going to be good in two, three years. May not be this year, but maybe next, and the year after, and the year after. And if they keep backing it up, yeah. I know it'd be really tough for a college coach to give it up after so many years and still with so much energy. But if Bruce Weber wants to end his time at K-State on a high note with, A, a lot of team success, and, B, leaving the thing in a good spot – Doing it before this 2020 class is gone would be the right time to do it. I'm just saying. Yeah, I can almost see when these freshmen or seniors, the ones in the program this year, might be a good stepping out. But who knows? Or like leave the next – you mean like leave the 2020 class? As seniors. Yes, okay. Uh, but who knows? Maybe the 21 class will be really good. Right. And he can – I don't know. It, but coaches don't do that. We have just saw that happen in football. They don't leave when they're going to leave something behind. They don't. They don't leave fun toys on the table very often for someone else to have. They want to play with them. Last question on the podcast from Purple Powerhouse. Given the guard-heavy recruiting and emphasis on guard play, is it really any surprise that we can't recruit big men? That's fair. I think it's a fair point. It's clear they're okay going for a small four and then a fifth guy that can serve as a decent forward slash big man. Um, they definitely don't utilize the big man as the main part of their offense. Um, I think, the, but I, I also think at the end of the day, it's just, I think that they have not utilized or they have not identified, not utilized. They have not identified talent. Well, at the big man spot on the recruiting trail, and they haven't landed one, but might get some good news on Friday. And if, if Davian Bradford does commit to K state, this should change. This should, I can't emphasize how much I'm saying should, because Levi Stockard should have changed the narrative. This should start to change that because he should be good. We will see. We will see. That does it for this edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. We appreciate you listening. No pregame podcast this week, as you well know. There's no game. Why would we pre it? But we will have the overtime podcast on Friday. We have something very special for Friday's overtime podcast. We went full gimmick this week full-on gimmick we don't know if it worked but we did it and i think that's the best you can expect from us you've been listening to the power cat questions podcast presented by fridge wholesale liquor power cat podcast all rights reserved go and spirit street publishing